Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Beautiful. We've got a prop today. How exciting. Um, the mirror is on stage for a reason. And the reason is the, the question I'm going to start my message with this morning. The question is this. What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see a fresh haircut where everyone else sees a cry for help? <laughs> Had to get the joke in there before anyone else did. Do you see... Pimples or beauty spots? Do you see a baby face or a beard? I'm just getting some stuff off my chest this morning. I, um, I was going to go non-shaved for my message this morning. I um, grew my beard for four days. Um, there was a strong amount of stubble on there. Um, but unfortunately, I've learned that um, my stubble does not equate to a beard. I was at work one day um, chatting to someone, and they said, you know what, Greg, it's so great to see someone of your age without a beard. And I was like, oh, great. I've been growing this for about a week. But um, thanks for complimenting my, my clean-shavenness. Um, so I'm just going li- to live with it, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to grow a beard. I've got a baby, I'll never have a beard, so, uh, so I'll take that on the chin, to be honest. Um, but what do you see when you look in the mirror? And it leads on to my second question this morning, um, taking it a, a step deeper. Um, if your soul had a mirror, if your soul had a mirror, the, the seat of your emotions, your feelings, your motives, your conscious, your subconscious, that thing that you know is there, um, that is sort of telling you what to do, but you can never really explain or define it. If your soul had a mirror, what would you see reflected in your soul's mirror? You see, this series we've been in since January called Plus, and we've been looking at some ingredients, some things to add to our faith this year. We believe that we don't want to stand still. We don't want to trip up making the same mistakes we've made in 2020 or 2021. We want 2022 to be a new year where we're developing and growing in our faith and and getting stronger as believers and followers of Jesus. And so for the last few weeks, we've been looking at some ingredients to add to our faith. And uh, those ingredients have been goodness, they've been knowledge, they've been self-control, they've been perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and love. Seven ingredients that we believe as followers of Jesus we should be adding to our faith. And um, my question is, how many of these do you think you see reflected in your soul's mirror? As we've been discussing these over the last few weeks... Have you been sort of agreeing that, yes, I see these things in my soul. These are characteristics and traits that I have. Have you been listening to some of our messages and thinking, yes, I've got that in my soul? Or um, have you been a bit more like me? And uh, some days I'm like, yes, I've got these traits in abundance. Usually a Sunday, especially when I'm preaching. I'm like, yeah, come on. I've got goodness in my soul. I've got some godliness within me. I've got some love and some mutual affection. I'm the preacher. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and then I wake up on Monday morning, and my one-year-old is kicking me in the face at half five in the morning. And um, mutual affection and love is not in my soul <laughs> then. Self-control is not in my thought life. Like, and it's like some days I feel like I have these qualities and these traits in abundance. And other days it feels like I'm at a lack of these qualities and traits. Some days I feel like I'm doing really well, and other days I feel like I'm really struggling with these things. And I'm sure this might be your first time in one church. You might not be a believer, and that's totally cool. Um, Or you might have been here for thousands and thousands of Sundays. Um, But I'm sure all of us would recognize that these are good traits and good qualities that we want to have in our life. 
As we've been discussing these qualities and these traits over the last few weeks, I'm sure you would agree with me that, yes, these are things I want to add to my life. I want to be a person of goodness. That means I can go to sleep with a clear conscience, knowing regardless of the actions of the day, that that I would have done my best, that I would have done done things with a clear motive and a good motive. I can sleep well because I know I'm a person of goodness. How many mistakes could we have avoided, church, if we had just a little bit more self-control? Why? Because this is a good trait, a good quality we want to have in our life. And yet, I know for me, it's a quality and traits that aren't always present 100% of the time. And so if you've been listening to some of these messages or you've seen this list of qualities and and traits on the screen behind me uh, and you've considered with me that actually these qualities and traits aren't present in my life all the time, these things aren't always evident in my soul's mirror or in my actions, then, um, then I'm hoping you can join me in answering the question this morning, church, as to why. Why aren't these things on display 100% of the time? Why aren't I always a person of goodness and perseverance and self-control? Why isn't love and mutual affection always evident in my life? And so this morning, I'm hoping we can answer together why that is the case. And you see, the answer to that question is actually in the same passage we've been reading. See, this list of qualities comes from the letter of 2 Peter. So a letter written about 2,000 years ago to the early church, but still uh, applies to us today. Uh, And in that letter, Peter refers to these qualities and lists these qualities as things that we should be adding to our faith. And then right at the end of the letter, he says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. But whoever does not have them, whoever does not have these qualities... Whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Whoever does not have these qualities is forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. They have forgotten that they have been forgiven. They have forgotten that they have been forgiven. Uh, My day job, uh, I work for the NHS as a project manager in IT. And, uh, and so my day job, when I wake up tomorrow morning, um, after staying up to watch the Super Bowl at 4.30am, um, when I wake up tomorrow morning and literally drag myself out of bed, it'll be my job to help implement new solutions and new IT equipment into the lives of our nurses and our clinicians. And um, if you're a nurse, and, and there will be nurses in our services this morning who work for our hospitals trust, um, you might question whether another tablet actually helps you care for patients better. I can assure you it does. Um, and so it's my job to implement these devices to our, to our nurses and our clinicians. Now, I know as a project manager that my performance in 2020 has been forgotten. The projects I delivered in 2021 are becoming a distant memory because I know if this current project I'm working on under-delivers and overspends, then I'm going to be on thin ice as an employee, right? I know I'm, I'm only as good as the project I'm delivering. There's a famous quote about salesmen that they are only as good as their last And we know uh, in the workplace, as employees, there are only a finite number of mistakes we can make before we get moved on, right? There's only a finite number of times you can be late to work before you get moved on. There's only a finite number of times you can swear at customers before you get... None of you, none of you would do that, I know that. But there's only a finite number of times you can make mistakes before you get moved on. And it's the same in, in school as well. Like, we know there's only a finite amount of mischief you can cause in the classroom before you get a detention. And we all know those teachers where um, you can get away with a little bit more, and then those teachers where even if you make eye contact, you'll get in. I think Mr. Lavender on the front row is a teacher, and I think he's one of those teachers where you can't even make eye contact with him before you'll get in a detention. Is that right? Yes, it's right. (laughs) I've just made eye contact with him, I know. 
And we know there's, you know, there's, there's consequences to our actions. If we make mistakes, if, we, if we're late, then, then we're going to um, lose privileges and stuff. And I was just considering this week that so often this thinking pattern and, and thoughts are ingrained in us at such a young age that we can so easily apply the same thinking to God. And we can think of our relationship with God that there are only a finite number of mistakes we can make before his forgiveness does not count anymore. There's only a finite number of times we can trip up over the same thing before his forgiveness doesn't count anymore. Or we can think that it's dependent on the size of our mistakes. And we can think, oh, well, well God could maybe forgive the little things. And he, he, can, he can forgive and uh, forgive me of the little things, but actually this, this huge thing that I've been carrying with me for a little while, I don't think God, God can really forgive that one. And we get caught in this thinking pattern of believing the number of times we make mistakes would impact our forgiveness or the size of our mistakes would impact our forgiveness because it's been ingrained in us at such a young age it is seen in other aspects of our life. Um, but this morning, church, I'm here to tell you that that is absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Baloney. Absolute rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Right? There, is, there is not a mistake that you can make that would prevent you from access to God's love, grace, and forgiveness. There's not a number of mistakes. It's not like a magic number of mistakes you can make before God's forgiveness does not count in your life anymore. It's, it's rubbish. There's nothing you can do that will ever separate you from God's love. You might not believe in him, but there's nothing you can do that will ever separate you from God's love. And um, there's some verses that I've got um, to back up what I'm trying to say here. And the first one is 1 John 1 verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, if we come to God and say, I'm sorry I've done this, then he is faithful and just. It doesn't say if we confess our sins for the first five times, God will forgive you. No. It doesn't say if we confess the little stuff, God will forgive you. No, no, it says if we confess our sins, that's, that's all of them. That's any mistake you could ever make. God is faithful and just and will forgive you, church. The second one is in Hebrews 8 verse 12. And you need to catch this. This is God speaking. He says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Yeah. I mean, this is mind-blowing, church, that God chooses to forget your sins and your mistakes. God says, I will remember them no more. The mistake you made 30 years ago will be remembered no more. The mistakes you made three minutes ago will be remembered no more. Here's what I've got to tell you this morning, church, that your sin has been forgiven and it has been forgotten. It's been forgiven and it's been forgotten. We've just read that. If you confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you. He chooses to remember your sins no more. He forgets about it. If you have confessed, then it has been forgiven and it's been forgotten. And that's so powerful, church. Because we've looked at this list of qualities and it said if we don't see these present in our life, it's because we've forgotten that we've been forgiven. So I'm here to remind you this morning, here to remind you that it's been forgiven and forgotten. Final, line drawn under it. But there's one more, one more step to this. You see, you've been forgiven and it's been forgotten. But there's one more step that will help us this morning. And it's in Galatians 3 verse 27. It says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So if you've been baptized as a believer, that means you have been clothed with Christ. Now, going back to my mirror, um, when I look in the mirror, the majority of what I see is my clothing. 
And when you look at your, your spouse or your friends or, or your work colleagues, the majority of what you see about them will be their clothing. Now, the question is, what do you think God sees when he looks at you? Do you think God sees your sin and your shame and your mistakes? So I think sometimes we can come to God and it can feel like we're bringing our sin and our shame and mistakes and that's all he's looking at and he's pointing the finger and he's, he's condemning what we've done but the Bible's just told us that actually we've been forgiven and our sin's been forgotten and, and as we're baptised we're clothed with Christ so when we come to God does he see our sin, our shame and mistakes? Well, well no. The Bible says we've been clothed with Christ. So what do you think God sees when he looks at you? When you come to church and worship him what do you think he sees? Because he's, he's not looking at your sin. He's looking at his son. He's been clothed as Christ. He's looking at your clothes and you're clothed with Christ. Your sin has been forgiven. It's been forgotten. You've clothed yourself with Christ. And so when he's looking at you, he's not seeing your sin. No matter how long you've been holding on to it, church. He's not seeing your shame. No matter how heavy it might feel. No, no, no. He's looking at his son. His son that 2,000 years ago died on a cross rose again three days later, and in the process removed every single barrier between us and God and us and heaven, meaning we can enter into relationship with him, confessing our sins, clothing ourselves as Christ. It means we can come into the presence of God this morning in this place. It means when he looks at you, he doesn't see his sin, your sin, but he sees his son. That's so powerful. So powerful. You have been forgiven. Your sin has been forgotten. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. But he sees his son. So, so powerful. So powerful. And um, if I was to answer the question what this looks like on Monday, because that's the real challenge, you know, church. It's, it's easy sometimes being in this place and being people of goodness and love and mutual affection. It's easy being in this place and being, yes, I am forgiven. It's been forgotten. I'm dressing myself. I'm clothed as Christ. Amen. But we all know the real challenge comes when we go into the workplace on Monday or the school on Monday or we meet with our friends who haven't been in this place. That's when the real challenge comes. And the application is all in how you look at yourself. It's when you see yourself in the mirror. Are you looking at the mistakes you've made? Are you looking at the sin and the shame that you've been carrying with you? Or when you look in the mirror and you see your reflection, do you see his son? The Bible says you've been clothed with Christ, so no longer do you need to look at your sin, shame, and mistakes. But you should be able to see his son all over you. When you catch your, your, your image in the shop front window or in the car rearview mirror as you're brushing your teeth at night, no longer should you be looking at your sin, shame, and mistakes, but you should be looking at his son. But the challenge is this comes with a mandate for us, church. Because I think some, some of us, if I could be so bold, come into this place on a Sunday and we dress ourselves as Christ and we clothe ourselves with Christ and, and we play the part and we act real good and we say the right things, we put a smile on our face and then we go to work on Monday and we take off our clothing as Christ, we put on our old rags and we are just the same people we were if Christ had never existed. And we can be one person in this place and another person in the workplace or at the pub or watching the football. And the challenge is this, that, that you've not been clothed with Christ for one day a week. You've not been forgiven just so you can feel good for an hour on a Sunday morning service. No, 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 no. You've been clothed as Christ so you can carry that with you wherever you go. 
so that you can truly know what it means to live an abundant life, free of sin and shame and guilt, meaning you can carry the goodness of God wherever you go, the, the love of God wherever you go, self-control and perseverance will carry with you, meaning in the workplace people can look at you and you see there is something different about that person. Why? Because they are clothed as Christ, clothed as his son. See, if, if all we do is clothe ourselves for an hour on a Sunday morning, we're missing out on so much of what God has in store for us. So many adventures and, and things and people we can meet and, and changes we can see in people's lives. Why? Because we're choosing to remove our clothing as Christ as we leave these doors and put on our old rags again the next day. I don't dress the same I did when I was 17. Thank Jesus. Why? Because I've got a new outfit to wear. I'm clothed as Christ, trying to bring his love to every aspect of my world. And that's a mandate that's on us as well this year, church. That for this to be a, a true community of Jesus followers, it can't be just for these four walls. It can't be just for us, but it has to be out in the workplace and in the city and, and in the communities of people that we interact with outside of this place. It's there we need to wear our clothing as Christ, not just in this moment, not just in this building. So everywhere you go, wherever you see your reflection, you have to see his son. You have to see his son wherever you go. Have to see his son. Will you stand with me, church? You have to see his son. Just imagine with me for a moment that sin or that shame that you no longer have to live with. Why? Because you have been forgiven and it has been forgotten. That mistake that you've been carrying around with you for what feels like so long, you've been forgiven and it has been forgotten. When you look at yourself in the mirror, no longer do you have to see your mistakes and your sin and your shame, but no, you can see his son. You can see the goodness of God in your life, the love of God, perseverance and self-control, these qualities evident in your life. Why? Because you are clothing yourself as Christ. And I was really challenged as I've been preparing this message over the last few weeks, that there are people in this room who have been holding on to sin and shame. And they've been holding on to it because subconsciously or consciously they've, they've believed the lie that there are only a finite number of times they can ask for forgiveness or that the forgiveness is dependent on the size of the mistake. But as we've learned this morning, it's not true. And um, in this moment, I, I want to pray for people that have been holding on to sin and shame. And you might have been a believer for years, but you can recall something that happened so long ago that you've still been holding on to, even though God tells us that it's been forgiven and forgotten. And in this moment, I, I want to pray for you. And I'm, I'm believing literally that the, the sin and shame that you've been feeling weighing you down will be lifted. That you'll see yourself as God sees you. You won't be looking at your sin, but you'll be looking at his son. You'll be able to step into your week full of freedom, free from the mistakes of the past, free from the repetitive behaviors that harm you so much, but instead living as his son, clothed with Christ. So if that's you with eyes closed and head bowed, just going to ask you to lift up a hand in a second. That's a physical sign between you and God that says, God, I'm releasing this to you. I'm sorry for my mistakes and I'm thankful for your saviour and I'm believing that the sin and the shame will be lifted off me. So if that's you, why don't you just lift up a hand right now? So good. So good. You can pop your hands down now. Thank you.
Jesus, I thank you so much that you came to earth and died. Not just for one moment, but for eternity, Lord. And it means that 2,000 years later, we can live in a freedom that that brings. Free from the sin and shame that can so easily hold us back. But instead, walking in freedom, clothed as Christ, Lord. Pray for the people that have just lifted up their hands, Lord. May the sin and shame and mistakes they've been holding on to be removed, Lord. May your love and your grace be replaced in that moment, Lord Jesus. May they walk in a newfound freedom with new clothes, clothed as Christ in their workplaces, in their schools, in their communities, Lord. Wherever they go, Lord, may they know that they are a new person, Lord Jesus. May they see you in everything they do. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we not put on our old garments as we leave this place, Lord. But for every community, every person we interact with, Lord, may it be Jesus they see through us, Lord. May we stop looking at our sin, our shame and mistakes, Lord, and may we see your son everywhere we go, working in everything we're doing, Lord Jesus. May it be your goodness and your perseverance and your self-control, your mutual affection, love and godliness that is so present in our lives this year, Lord, as you move in us and through us, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.